Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, we are now in the official Christmas season, like it or not, and I know many of you are struggling, which is why I have taken a couple of episodes to talk about getting through this difficult time of year. Today, we will be finishing my conversation with Linda Sheldon Fell, and if you did not hear the beginning of it, you're going to want to start by listening to that one, episode 186, before continuing. We started a list of 10 tips, and we got through eight of them, and so you're going to want to go back and listen to that one before continuing here, like I said. And the thing is, they were more than just tips, but Linda is just so full of information, even about the why behind the tips. It's really good. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and catch up first and then come back and join us here. After Linda and I wrap things up in this one, I will be doing something unusual and I'm going to be bringing on a second guest this episode. Melanie DeLorme also has some things to share about how to get through the holidays and especially what she wishes she knew at the beginning of this journey of child loss. So let's get started with finishing up my talk with Linda. I think one of the most important things that I feel like personally is to get support, to surround yourself with others who get it and understand, you know, none of our pain is going to be exactly the same. None of our loss is going to be exactly the same. But for those who listen to this podcast, we've all lost a child and we know the darkness that it throws you into. And so I think being around others who get it, it is huge to me. Yeah, you know, when we surround ourselves with people who speak our lost language, and in your case, in my case, it's loss of a child, I, we inherently know that we don't have to explain ourselves right. to each other. Mm-hmm. We get it without even communicating. We yes. get the trials and tribulations that the holiday brings, how it can make our emotions more raw mm-hmm. and our coping skills are challenged. And, you know, when we spend time with others who've lost a child, again, it's a reminder that we're not the only one on planet Earth who is hurting in this awful fashion. That sadly, there are others. But there's comfort in that. There's, you know, shared sorrow is half a sorrow. Mm -hmm. And so when we mingle and talk and engage with others who have lost a child, it helps us to feel less alone. It helps us to feel less exhausted because we take that mask off. We don't have to wear a mask right. Right. with a, a fellow bereaved parent. Mm-hmm. And we just get each other. And right. there is so much comfort in that. And so, especially during the holiday season, there are many different candle lighting vigils that uh, the different uh, bereaved parent organizations hold Uh, both at the local level, at the regional level, at the state level, um, you know, allow yourself to attend those, honor your Mm -hmm. grief during this time. Because again, when you come together with others who speak that same lost language, uh, you know, you'll find yourself the recipient and giver of hugs 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hugs is also a very powerful healing modality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be sharing when we get off, I'll be sharing something that I do every week through the Christmas season online that anyone listening can join me in. For me, and I think a lot of the listeners have heard me say this, it took me a long time to want to be around other bereaved parents because I thought I I was such a mess that I, I thought if I hung around other parents that I would just feel even worse because we'd all just boohoo all over each other and we'd all be a mess together. But that's not the case, is it? It wasn't for me either. I, I felt the same way. I resisted support groups and therapy for the same reason. And yet at the end of the day, when you do find yourself with others who speak that lost language, you find and discover that it's a huge comfort. Yes. Yes. It's wonderful to be around other people who are a mess like me. <laughs> it was kind of the opposite, especially during the holiday. And that almost brings us to the last one, which is to give in to the tears. Now, that has never been my problem, ever. <laughs> I've been a crier and a leaker even before Becca died. So, you know, a good cry isn't isn't news to me. But a lot of parents resist that, don't they? Well, you know, the holiday season, at least Hallmark tells us and the TV tells us that it's a really merry time. And so people feel guilty for crying. Mm-hmm. Even though the holidays bring up yes. the reliving of merrier times, and that makes us want to cry more because mm-hmm. it's such a raw time for us. And and so give in to the tears. Remember, laughter and crying are the same. They release the same, they release energy in our body. And so when you allow yourself to cry, it can be cleansing. And it also helps to release that emotional buildup. And so oftentimes people will go to bed crying and they'll wake up feeling a little better. Yes. And it's because the crying was cleansing and released all that emotional buildup. And so allow yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. The holidays is a hard time for people who've lost a loved one. Hands down. Mm -hmm. And so crying is a natural reaction to that. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to cry even though it feels like it's the merrier time for the rest of the world. We need to honor our own emotions, not what everyone else is doing. Right. Or what we think they're doing, because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors for other people in their pain. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I I went, yeah. It's important that we allow ourselves that. Yes. I went through a time years ago where, um, like I said, I just, I just cry. That's just part of how God made me, I guess. But I did go through a time where I just got tired of crying at things and feeling things so deeply. And somehow I managed to, I I quit crying for quite a while. And I actually found myself becoming very hard hearted and bitter. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, through a conversation with the Lord one time and all of a sudden I just found everything, you know, I just broke and I started crying and I just felt the Lord speak to my heart that if I didn't allow myself to cry, this is who I became, was a very hard and bitter woman. And so those tears are very important to their very cleansing and healing and Absolutely. Not, not to be well, ashamed yeah. of. Yeah. Sometimes we call it that liquid love. <laughs> well, and you know, silent grief is deadly grief. And I go back to my husband's stroke. He was not yes. grieving. And he felt like he had to be strong for me and the rest of yes. the family. Mm-hmm. And so he denied himself. Yes. That ability to process what happened and the loss of our, our child. 
Yeah. And so he ended up with a massive stroke. Right. And so crying is imperative to the healing. And in the moment that you're crying and it feels like the whole world is caved in on you and it feels very dark and you feel like you'll never stop crying. We do. Mm -hmm. Do when we're spent. And so cry as long as you need to, to release that emotional buildup. Yes. And I do want to share because I, I know typically husbands do deal with the grief differently than we do, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily need to talk about it. You know, we're wired differently. We have to talk about things. Men process it differently. You know, we, for the most part, we want to hold things, touch things, smell things, look at pictures, go to the cemetery. You know, our husbands are like, just stop thinking about it. Stop doing that to yourself. But that's how we process what our head knows and it needs to get to our heart and you know just processing the reality of that our husbands process it differently and so they have to put that stuff away because it's a distraction and you know they may cry just not in front of us because they do feel like they're the protectors of us you know if if you feel like your husband's not dealing with it he could be just because he's not talking about it to you doesn't mean he's not processing it so it's just it's different for men but there are men who just, you know, they don't go there. They don't process it. But I just also want our listeners to just be reassured that if they're not talking to you about it, because we want them to talk about it. We feel like they need to talk about it, but they're not us. They're not wired the same. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're not processing it. So, yeah. Or for you men listening, assure your wives. <laughs> men say one word for every seven words a woman says. Mm-hmm. And a, a 2013 study showed that men's brain literally are wired different. They're wired front yes. to back and women's brains are wired from side to side. Mm-hmm. And so they are going to process it differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. They're processing the way that they're built. Right. But right. crying is imperative to both men and yes. women. I agree. Yes, definitely. And studies have shown that. Studies have also shown, I think it's the University of Pennsylvania, that men actually do have a nothing box. They can actually think of nothing and still breathe. They've connected the wires and everything, and their brain goes silent, (laughs) and they actually have a nothing box. So women, you know, what are you thinking about? And they say nothing. How it's impossible to think of nothing. It's possible for men to think of nothing. I can't imagine that, but they do. That's been proven. Yeah, too, women so. we're, thinking, we're, we're not thinking of anything. That means we've got only 10 things going through our brain. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, Linda, it has been a joy to talk to you. And you had so many things to share with us. I thank you for this. How can listeners connect with you? Uh, they can uh, find me at internationalgriefinstitute.com or lindafell.com. And thank you for doing this. It's an honor to walk alongside you all and, you know, give you hope that one day it won't always feel this raw. And, you know, I'm now 13 years out and, and I can honestly say that one day it won't always feel this raw. And so whether the holidays and the holiday kaleidoscope, however your heart prefers, do what feels right to you. One day it might feel right to do this thing. And the next day it might feel wrong to do that same thing. So just take it day by day. Give yourself lots of grace, lots of grace. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest gift you can give yourself and yes. lots of compassion yes. because yes. grief is a hard journey. It's one of the hardest things known to mankind and it's not easy. 
And so just know that the days will pass and Christmas will be behind you in your rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you can say, I made it. I made it. Mm. One day at a time. That's good. One day at a time. One hug at a time. Right. And even one breath at a time, if that's where you are. So, yes. Yes. That's right. So consider this a uh, uh, hug from Linda and myself. Absolutely. <laughs> from us to you Absolutely. right now. <laughs> Hopefully you feel that hug. So before I let you go, Linda, let's talk about the grief cruise. Oh, uh, yes. You have been part of this with Lynn Finley since the beginning, right? Uh, I came on a couple of years after she okay. started. And it's the coolest, coolest experience. You know, people think, well, I don't want to go on a cruise for grievers. You know, that seems, you know, counterproductive. But remember that the brain needs a respite from the grief pain. And on the grief cruise, you get to have the best of both worlds. You get to be on this gorgeous ship going through gorgeous waters and docking at gorgeous stops and then you also surround yourself during parts of the day with people who speak your lost language. And so it's an opportunity to share time with them, but then and also an opportunity to give your brain a respite. And studies have shown that giving your brain that respite is imperative to our healing. And so it's really the best of both worlds. And yes. it's, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I think, you know, I was resistant to the grief cruise because I was resistant to the idea of going on a cruise at all. And attending that first time, I was absolutely blown away. It was the best grief retreat effort that I had attended. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. Because it was so different from, you know, the traditional grief conferences and grief conventions. I, you know, there's, when we talk about the rule of fives and allowing ourselves the, the physical pleasure, um, there's no shortage of opportunity mm-hmm. to do that yes. aboard, you know, the Royal Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so the, the, the grief cruise is just a, a fantastic opportunity to heal, make new friendships, laugh, grieve, and honor your loved one. It's yes. really a, a, a great, great experience for everyone who attends. It is. So if you want to check it out, um, go to gpshope.org slash cruise, and you'll get a lot of detailed information. You can also watch a short video from the last cruise. Now, you won't see Linda on that because um, she had some health issues that unfortunately prevented her from coming. So I'm looking forward to this next one that is October 1st through the 8th. And uh, to be able to be together on that, Lord willing. And so uh, if you go to, like I said, gpshope.org slash cruise, and there'll be a a place that you can request information and you will be connected with Lynn Finley, who started this. She's a travel agent. She's also lost a daughter. She was on here a few weeks ago. And she'll get any information, you know, answer your questions, talk about specific cabins, whatever. So please check it out. It's worth checking out. Definitely. Even if you've never been on a cruise or that thought of that just seems weird going on a grief cruise. It is so healing. It is just so wonderful. You just can't explain it. So check it out. So Linda, thank you again so much for sharing this time with me and with our listeners. And I will plan on having you back for another discussion on some other topics. So thank you very much. All right. In the meantime, happy holidays and big hugs to you. Yes. Thank you. You too. 
I am just jumping in here to remind you that now you will be listening in on my talk with Melanie DeLorme. I want to add that her mother-in-law had just passed away and the funeral was the next morning when she recorded this. She also had family coming in with some bad weather and I offered to let her reschedule our time to do this, but Melanie graciously still wanted to share her heart with you and I just wanted you to know why our conversation was a bit on the shorter side. So here is my talk with Melanie. Well, hi, Melanie. I am so glad to have you here with me again. I would love to say it's nice to see you, but <laughs> I am traveling. We're having technical Wi-Fi difficulties, so you and I are doing this, but we can't really see each other. We're just talking, but it's still good to have you. Welcome. It's good to be here. Thank you. So Melanie and I, we met as co-authors and at a, a conference that we were at, and I just, I love Melanie's heart for bereaved parents, and she just has so many good things to share. And she had put out a couple of YouTube videos, and I really liked those. And so I wanted to have Melanie come on and share with everyone some of the things about the holidays and Christmas. It's so hard to get through this. Melanie, why don't we start out before we get into our topic let me give you an opportunity to share Garrett with us for those who may not have heard you before. My son Garrett was accidentally killed in a hunting accident when he was eight years old. And it was been 13 years ago already, which I cannot mm, believe. Wow. I cannot believe. Um, he loved hunting and he loved the outdoors. And we miss him still so much, especially around Christmas time. Yeah. Yes. Because that would have been a fall event. So, mm-hmm. So as we are heading into this Christmas season at the beginning of it, I mean, stuff is everywhere. It comes up earlier and earlier every year, it seems like, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. So why do you think Christmas is harder? I mean, holidays are hard anyway without our kids, but it just seems like Christmas, I don't know, there's something that just really seems difficult about it, sometimes more than the other holidays. Why do you think that is? I think Christmas seems so much harder because it really is such a festive time of year. And usually people are happy, people are singing Christmas carols, and we want to share love with everyone during the Christmas season. And it just makes it so hard when you're missing part of you, part of your yeah. heart in the air. And, and then I guess it can't help but feeling a little bit envious for the people who don't understand. Yes. I want, I want their joy and I can't have it. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think another thing, too, is that a lot of the holidays, it's pretty much the holiday, maybe a week or I mean, but Christmas is like an entire month. And even before then, I mean, it's almost like Halloween's over October 31st is over. And it's like, bam, you start seeing Christmas everywhere. Right. And it's an entire month, like you say, of yes. remind, of reminders that this isn't the happiest time, the happiest Christmas I've ever had. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it just stretches it out so far and you hear, like you go into the store and you hear Christmas music and you go somewhere and you see, and it just, like you said, it's like a, a festive, supposed to be festive, fun family time. And we just don't have that anymore. So you, you said it's been 13 years. Is there something that you wish someone had told you at the beginning, especially about this Christmas season that would have been helpful to you? I think it would have been helpful for me to be told that whatever I choose to do is okay. 
Mm-hmm. And as far as decorations go, because there's so many questions. I had so many unanswered questions. What do I do with Garrett's stocking? Do I put it up? Do I not put it up? Mm-hmm. Do I have to decorate? I'm exhausted. I don't, I don't want to put up the same decorations. And I wish someone had told me it's just okay. You just do what you can and it will be the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like <sighs> there's so much to the Christmas season shopping. Shopping is of- hard. Yeah. Shopping is hard. I found hard just even listening to the Christmas music in the stores. Mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to cry. And so I shopped online. Mm, yeah. So I think I avoided all stores. And I, and I wish someone too would have told me that that was okay because I felt guilty about it. Of not of trying to avoid the Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I still, and I think it's hard too, because even in the shopping and you see something and it's, and you just immediately think, oh, I need to get that for, you know, and you think of your child and then all of a sudden it just sinks in again. Right. I, I can't get them get that. I know one, one mom shared recently, it wasn't Christmas. It was her child's birthday, but I like this idea. And she lost her daughter uh, right before she turned two. And she was kind of going through that. There was a little outfit in the store and she, you know, her immediate thought was to pick it up for her daughter. And then that horrible feeling of, I can't, there's no reason to. And she left the store without that. And it just made her sick. And she decided from now on, when I see something that makes me think of my daughter that she would like, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to find somebody to give it to. <laughs> That's a perfect idea. And, and that really helped her. And I think maybe we could do that for Christmas you know, we see those things and go ahead and get it and then gift it to somebody, gift it to a family that maybe, you know, you have these angel trees all the time, Samaritan's purse, children's hospitals, you know, homeless shelters. If your child was an adult, I think there's so many places we could give those gifts to in honor and memory of our child. Definitely. You were mentioning the decorations. Did you put things up that first year? That first year, what we did, we got as gifts so many memorial ornaments for Garrett mm. that he he over he took over our Christmas tree. Oh my! <laughs> so it really just looked like a memorial to Garrett. And mm. and then the next was year, that just, hard or was it? Did it make you feel better or both? I remember, I don't think it's better, but I definitely needed those ornaments there. The next year I bought Garrett his own and we kept the family tree with our regular ornaments. Okay. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. I know I talked to so many parents and you probably do too. And because I know you run or head up or facilitate a compassionate friends group, correct? No, you don't. Okay. But you did for quite a while. I did, but after COVID we couldn't meet anymore. People were doing online meetings. So I just kind of quit. Okay. Uh, yep. I, I, that makes sense. So, but you did that for quite a few years. So I know you've talked to a lot of parents and a, a lot of parents that I talk to, they just, they don't put up anything that first year. Yes. I have had similar conversations. And yeah. again, I think that is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And now do you have other children, Melanie? Did you feel like you had to keep Christmas going for them? I did have two other children who were six and four at the time. So we definitely had to keep Christmas going for them. And mm-hmm. I guess I was a little guilty that first year of 
overbuying Christmas presents for those oh, two. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. just to make up for it, I don't know if it made up for anything, but I, I was definitely right. guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, it's like, that's okay. If that comforts you and helps you through this, that's okay. Yes. And I, I think that's, that's the big thing is that it just, whatever you need to do, it's okay. If, if you get, start putting the tree up and you just can't finish, that's okay. I know of one mom, she started putting up her tree and she started pulling out, you know, all those ornaments and the memories and she just couldn't do it. And so a couple of her friends came over and they put all the ornaments on and they did it for her. And she was so thankful for that um, because she did enjoy the tree and seeing the memories. It was just too hard to pull them out and hold them, you know, one by one. It was just too much but someone coming over. So, so that's another thing. It's okay to ask someone for help, isn't it? It definitely is okay. And because people want to help, but they just don't know how. And when those people said at the beginning, let me know if you need anything. Yes. They do actually mean it, mm-hmm. but they just don't know what it ever is going to be that you need. And it, right. And sometimes hang up my Christmas decorations, please. Yes. Yes. And sometimes when people say that at the beginning, we don't know what we need. No, that's we're clueless. It's like, okay, fine. And those generic things just kind of fall by the wayside because we, we can't think I don't, I don't know what I need. And so this is an opportunity to go back to some of them. I need you to come help me make cookies. I need you to come, you know, would you please, you know, even if it's, would you go put gas in my car for me? (laughs) I just, I'm having a meltdown. The season's hard. I don't want to leave the house, you know, whatever. It's okay to ask for help for those specific things. Definitely. How about changing traditions? Was there anything that you ended up changing that you do differently now? I'm just curious. You know, not really. We, we don't, we, the first couple of years, I think maybe we did a few different things, but really we've gotten back to our regular routines of Christmas. The first year we had a candle lit for Garrett and because we just needed the memories, just mm-hmm. the reminders. And we have stopped doing that now because it does get easier. Yes. It, I mean, I, I guess I wish somebody would have told me that too. Yeah, very. But I don't know if I would have believed that. Exactly. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I started to say yes. And it's like, but I don't know if, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe because I, I know it's like, well, that may be true for you, but I don't right. see it happening for me. Right. And I think we all feel that way. I don't know if maybe easier is not the right word. Different. It gets different. You can push past the pain and do it, I guess. You can put that pain on a shelf maybe for a while yes. and deal with it and do the things, you know, do Christmas with your family again. Right. And I think some of it also has to do with maybe specific triggers too. I think, you know, if your child died around Christmas, their birthdays around Christmas, I think that can make things a lot harder too. I, I agree. And it's okay if you're just struggling even more, you know, because of these trigger dates in here, I know we, you know, just now talking about that, that may be true for you, but I don't see it happening for me. I, I know specifically, I'm thinking of someone who's a a precious friend and she was instrumental in us actually starting our group at home and which became GPS hope. And I remember her sitting in my living room and we were having this discussion about Christmas And she said, I can't do it. I just, I can't, I can't put things up. I can't do it. She was going to sell all of her Christmas decorations, get rid of them, give them away, whatever. And I said, don't do that. 
I know you feel like you'll never be able to do Christmas again, but just hang on to those things for a couple of years. And I remember, I think it might've been three years later, she said, well, I'm, I'm putting up the tree. I, I am going to put some things up. And she really didn't think she would ever want to do Christmas again and was ready to just get rid of everything. So, you know, if you can't do it, that's okay, but don't be drastic, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is okay if you need to change some traditions. You might not get permission from others because people around us, they just don't understand. A lot of times they think we need to join in the festivities because that's what's going to help us, help us get our mind off of it. It's going to, you know, you need to just get in there. You need to go out. You need to do these things. And so a lot of times we don't get permission from people around us to stay home and cry <laughs> or to just sit and veg in front of a Christmas movie or whatever. Right. And, and so Melanie and I are giving you permission. We're, we're giving you permission to do what you need to do to get through this Christmas season. So part of that is the whole Christmas party stuff. <laughs> there are like school concerts and job parties and church parties and neighborhood parties and caroling and all this stuff, all these invitations that come our way. Melanie, what do we do about all that? I think we can do whatever we want and we have to give ourselves permission to be okay. I know I did attend one party and it just felt wrong. I didn't, I didn't feel any, any of the celebration or the, I didn't feel festive. I didn't want to be there. And so I just, I excused myself and left. Mm -hmm. um, the next one I was invited to, I actually declined. And mm -hmm. I, I really think, my hostess was relieved because I don't think people know what to do with our lack of joy mm -hmm. when they want to have a party. I think it made, it made people uncomfortable. That's how I felt. And so I just stayed away because I just couldn't do it. But on the, saying that, if you can do it, I, you have to realize that it's okay too. Mm hmm yeah, you're not obligated to attend any of them, uh, you know, unless it's like a boss at work that says you will be there. I, I can't imagine that. And that's a job you don't need. <laughs> and even if, even if that happened, I think people are reasonable. You could say, I will come. I will come. But I am warning you that I'm going to have to leave early or. Yes. And I and that's OK if if you need to just attend part of it or have an exit plan you know, be prepared if it's just not going the way you were hoping it would go. There are some questions that you can ask, I think, to help, help you figure out, should I attend this event or not? One of the questions that you mentioned was to ask yourself, is this going to be draining on me or is it going to be a respite from my grief for a while? Right. Definitely attending something draining. I think you have to give yourself permission to stay home. Yeah. And if but, um, it's just taking a break from grief for a few hours, I think you need to give yourself permission to do that too. Exactly. And I, you know, that grief is going to be there when you get back home. Definitely. So it's okay if you want to go to something and just put that, just put it away for, a, for a couple of hours, three hours, whatever it is, and go enjoy yourself. It's hard not to feel guilty though, isn't it? It's was hard not to feel guilty. I felt like I sh shouldn't be happy. Mm -hmm. And yet when you think about it, our children are very happy right now. 
Definitely. <laughs> so it's okay for us to be happy. I know our it's a lot of it is our perspective. You know, am I going to choose that I shouldn't be happy because my child isn't here to enjoy Christmas? They're not here for the festivities. How could I possibly be happy when my child isn't here to enjoy this? How can I enjoy it? And yet when you think about the the purpose behind Christmas really is to celebrate the birth of Christ. I know we it it becomes a big family event and the gifts and all of that, but but really the bottom line intent of Christmas is to remember Christ in his birth and to think that our children are with him. Right. <laughs> we're, we're celebrating a birthday without the birthday person there <laughs> where our kids are actually celebrating with the one that we're celebrating. They're with him. Right. So they are celebrating. They're hooping it up. And so it's, it's okay to just put your grief aside for a few hours and go and enjoy yourself. Cause like I said, it will be there when when you get back definitely and i think an, another question that we can ask ourselves if we're trying to decide should i go shouldn't i go is are the people there going to be understanding do they know about your situation or not it's definitely easier to attend something where everybody knows mm-hmm. it's hard to go to especially in the beginning to go to meeting new people at new parties having to explain or answer mm-hmm. the question, how many kids do you have? In yeah. Small talk, if it was this party like that, where you're providing lots of small talk with strangers, I would, I would give myself permission to avoid those. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. And I think especially for us moms, that seems to be a typical question, you know, to get to know somebody. That's just one of those top of the one of those top questions is, yes. oh, how many kids do you have? We just assume that you have kids if you're a woman. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or do you have any children? And that just seems to be where the conversation always seems to lead. And yeah, that's a hard one to answer, uh, especially when you're already struggling with all the, the triggers of the season. So we already talked about people supporting us and not being afraid to I think we need to be willing to communicate with people, don't we, during this time of year, especially. Especially during this time of year. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to know. It's hard to ask for help. It is. But I think, again, we have to just remember those people who said, I will help you. We just need a phone call. Can you come to this Christmas party with me, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's okay also to change your mind, isn't it? It is perfectly fine to change your mind. Yeah. Cause I, I think a lot of times we, we want to go and then that day comes and we're just way too drained and we feel obligated. I said, I would go, I've got to go. No, you don't. No. And, don't. and it could go the other way too. Couldn't it? It could go the other way that you don't think there's any possible way you can go and the day comes and you might be having a good day. Yes. You need behold, yes. So yeah, you can change your mind and put on your coat, go out the door and have a good evening. So there's no manual, is there? There is no manual. And so that's why we have to give ourselves permission to do what feels right. Mm-hmm. And just because we do one thing one year doesn't mean we still have to do it next year. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. And, and it, that's another thing that can go both directions. I mean, we can be okay with putting up the tree one year, putting up the decorations, the stockings, you know, doing whatever. And then the next year, 
is just a hard year. And it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. No, it doesn't have to make sense. You know, and actually the stocking is the one thing that I have not actually reconciled in my mind (laughs) with what do I do? I hang it up every year and every Christmas morning, it makes me just so heartbroken that it's that stocking's empty. Mm. And I don't want to put things in it. (laughs) <laughs> but I know he's not going to open. So I haven't figured out a good, a good solution, not put it up. Then that, that, that yeah, that that's not an option either. Is it? <laughs> feels bad I feel like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That yeah. is the one Christmas thing. I just can't, I can't figure out what would make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I've heard of someone shared, and this could have been a year or two years ago, which is why I can't remember exactly what they did, but it had something to do with over the Christmas season, the stocking was hung. And I can't remember if it was putting in memories or if it was putting in happy moments, but it was something. And every time one of these things, whatever that category or topic or whatever it was, people would write it out and stick it in their child's stocking. And then on Christmas morning, or when when they did the stockings, then there were things in their child's stocking, and they would take out these papers and read them. Oh, that's a nice idea. And so, like I said, I'm kind of fuzzy on what it was that they were putting in there, but it was something that, you know, on that morning when they opened them, it just warmed your heart. It, it made you feel good. I mean, as good as you can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, but it was, it was something that was in the stocking that they could take out and helped in, in some way. So if, if that intrigues you, if you're listening, pray and ask God, because I mean, I'm sure it would be different for everybody, even what that might be. So, you know, if that's something that intrigues you, ask the Lord to, to lay on your heart or show you what to, what to put in the papers in the stocking as you go through the season. So I think maybe we could kind of sum this up in maybe four things to trust your heart, right? Yes. Just trust that you know what you need to do or not do. And the second one is to acknowledge your feelings. It's okay that you're feeling this way. And the third one would be to communicate with those around you who are there to support you. Right. And then the last one would be do what you know you need to do to take care of yourself. And that's, that's going to look for different for all of us too. Celebrating and grief, they, they can go together, can't they, Melanie? Oddly, they can. You can do both. You can celebrate the season while you're grieving, missing your child. And I think as the years go on, like you said, easier is such a, not necessarily the right word, but it it does. It gets easier to carry it, I guess. We get stronger as we carry the grief. And so the grief becomes easier. It's not that the grief maybe necessarily lessens so much, but it feels like it lessens because we get stronger as we go along to be able to carry it. Is that what you found? That is what I found too. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe too, I started to know what to expect. I knew what things would trigger me. And so I didn't do some of those things. Yeah. And that's something you just have to learn as you go along, unfortunately. Yes. And that will be different for everyone too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it makes sense, even to another parent who lost a child, if that's a trigger for you and- you just can't do it, it, then you can't do it. It's a trigger. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody. Sometimes it even doesn't even make sense to ourselves. Well, Melanie, I want to give you a chance to 
tell people about your book. I think it's such a good book. My book is called After the Flowers Die. It's a handbook of heartache, hope, and healing for bereaved parents. And I wrote it in a unique sort of way. I wrote it alphabetically by topic. So Mm -hmm. my chapter A has anger in it. My chapter C has Christmas in it. And so it's one of those books that you can just pick up and pick a topic that you are feeling on any given day. And it doesn't have to be read in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good book. I, I do recommend it. So Melanie, if someone should want to get a hold of you, how would they be able to do that? Um, my website is melaniedelorme.com or I have my YouTube channel, Melanie Delorme, and I'm also on Facebook. All right. Do you have any last thoughts about this Christmas season, or I guess anything about, you know, being a bereaved parent this time of year? Any last thoughts? Um, your heart will not always hurt this much. Um, take from the season what you need and leave what you don't. Mm, that's good. That's good. I like that. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, Melanie, for joining me. I always Thank enjoy when we can spend time together and chat and and do something like this so thank you so much and uh i don't know what do you say merry christmas it's hard to say that to a brief parent isn't it, it really is. <laughs> christmas blessings i guess and sometimes you don't feel like that's appropriate but you know take as much joy of christmas as you can get right for sure whatever that means for each of us all right well thanks a lot melanie thanks laura safe mm-hmm. travels ah, thank you okay I hope you enjoyed hearing from both Linda and Melanie today, and they were able to help you with how you can get through the holiday season. Something else that might help you is to join me and other Perivers live each Sunday night from now until Christmas, either on Facebook or on YouTube at 8.30 p.m. Central Time to light an Advent candle and share a reading that is specifically for us as bereaved parents missing our children during the Christmas season. To find out more, go to gpshope.org slash Advent book. Now, you don't need to have a book to join me. The book is to give you something to read each day if you want or need the extra daily encouragement. And I will put a link to this in the show notes if you haven't checked this out yet. I also want to remind you that until November 30th, which is tomorrow, if you're listening, the day this episode comes out, that when you purchase the book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child, from our store, from our own GPS Hope bookstore website, when you purchase that book, we will give you a gift of also sending the My Grief Journey book for free. So just put the book When Tragedy Strikes in your cart. Don't add the My Grief Journey book or you will be charged for it. So we will automatically, anyone who orders the When Tragedy Strikes book will automatically receive as a gift from us the My Grief Journey book. And that goes through, like I said, November 30th. And that means you will get two books for the price of only one, $13. So that's a great thing to take advantage of. Uh, We want to gift you. We want to bless you in some way. And so that's how we would like to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash store. Or just go to the website, gpshope.org, and click on the store tab and you'll find everything there. Let's go ahead and go on to this week's birthday segment. Chase Hairston, 
was born on November 28th and is forever 32. Joseph Nicodemus Amaha was born on November 28th and is forever 29. Liam Tripp Nugent was born on November 29th and is forever 21. Raylin Tenbruggenkate was born on November 29th and she left us at age one. Ginny Reddick was born on November 30th and is forever 21. Andreas Claren was born on December 1st and is forever 30. Jesus Ortega was born on December 2nd and is forever 20. Drew Jaggers was born on December 2nd and is forever 19. We celebrate the special day these children came into the world. We know it will always be an important day for all of us. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday on this podcast, I would be honored to be able to do that. All I need is to get a little bit of information from you. Just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill in the information we need, including the pronunciation of your child's name, if it's known to be pronounced wrong, first name or last name, because I really want to make sure I say your child's name correctly. Submit that information, and we will add your child's birthday to the birthday segment the week he or she was born. I just want to give another reminder here. Don't forget to check out the cruise. It really is an amazing resource to take advantage of, if at all possible. You can make payments on it. It can't hurt to take a look, right? So go to gpshope.org cruise and check it out. You'll be able to see a video there. We'd love to have you join us. I know it can seem like life will never get better, and this time of year can feel like a a constant slap-in-the-face reminder of our loss. I want to tell you that all of us feel that way those first two or three years, but it will get better. If you don't have your own hope to believe that, you can borrow mine and Linda's and Melanie's. So through this Christmas season, use what you have heard these last couple of episodes to help you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.